You are listening to Motivating from the Six. Today's episode is something that we all really need to continue the conversation about, and that is domestic violence. An interview with speaker and domestic violence survivor, Miss Lisa Gillis. Let's go. intended to motivate you, it's intended to inspire you, it's intended to have you stand up in your circumstances, no matter what it is you're going through, no matter what obstacle that you're climbing, no matter what situation that you got going on, it's intended to have you stand up and make change for the better. I'm your host, Jeff Martin of jeffadmartin.com, and today we have a really amazing guest, Ms. Lisa Gillis. We are speaking about domestic violence, but before we go into that, I just want to say thank you for all of you who have clicked play, for all of you who have downloaded, for all of you who have subscribed, for all of you who have left a five-star rating. Do me a favor. If you haven't gone and done that yet, please go and do that now. Pause. I will wait for you. I promise. Because every time you leave a rating, you allow someone else to see this podcast. It gets it to have a little bit more exposure and it allows people to listen so they can use the tools that we've been talking about on every single episode. They can use it to update and change their life. So for all of you, I just want to say thank you because I know that your time is valuable and the mere fact that you've taken even a minute to listen to some of this podcast episode I just want to show you my gratitude. Thank you so much. Again, today's topic, we are speaking about domestic violence. And we have an amazing guest today. She is a speaker, but she's also a survivor of going through some real difficult and hard circumstances. And you're going to hear about that in a second. But Miss Lisa Gillis really shares her story and what she went through. And the importance of sharing your story is for someone to hear it so they can be healed by it. If you know someone who's going through a domestic violence situation, if you are somebody who is going through a domestic circumstance, I want you, you're listening to this right now on your phone, on your laptop, on a computer, somewhere. What I want you to do is to go over to Google or your search engine, whatever you use, and type in domestic violence hotline, Wikipedia. When you go to that Wikipedia page, it has a list of numbers from wherever you're from. They have domestic violence hotline numbers from China, Australia, from Germany, from all of Canada and all of the United States. See, my intent today was to give you these phone numbers, but the truth is, is that this podcast continues to grow and we have people listening on pretty much all seven continents. And so I want you to know that it's easy for you to get that phone number, that domestic violence phone number that is applicable for the area that you live in. Again, on your search engine, I want you to get this because it's so important that you have this information ready and available. If you are someone who's suffering from domestic violence, if you know someone who's showing signs of suffering from domestic violence, I want you to get this. I'm going to say it again. Type in domestic violence hotlines, Wikipedia. And when you go to that page, you're going to see a ton of phone numbers that you can get from your country so you can get the help that you need or get the person that you know, get them the help that they need. 
Again, today's guest, Lisa Gillis, she is going to share with you how she was able to step through the situation that she was going through, how she was able to survive and not only survive, but share her story. Why? So she can use it to heal others. Let's get right into this interview with Lisa Gillis. Welcome back to Motivating from the Six. Today we have an amazing guest. She is a speaker and she's going to speak about a very specific subject in, ter- in terms of uh, things that happen in her life. Lisa Gillis, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Oh, thank you for coming. I- I'm so excited that you are here to share your story. And as I just started off with, uh, you are a speaker and, you know, this kind of giving everybody a, a the back end of how we met. Uh, we met on stage competing against each other, did we not? Yes, we did. You were a powerhouse speaker to speak against, for sure. I appreciate that. And you were just amazing yourself. Uh, and on that day, we had an amazing speaker who came first in that competition. But of course, with the words that you put out there and the way you rocked that crowd, you came second. And Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I came third. I'll take that. You know what I mean? I, I'm okay with uh, coming behind you again with an amazing story. And I'm hoping you'll share some of that today. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. So today we are speaking about domestic violence. And it's a subject, of course, that can be quite heavy, but it is so, so necessary. And the reason why I want to have you on, Lisa, is because you at some point in your life had gone through a situation where you had suffered from domestic violence and yes i have yeah and giving everybody a bit of a story your speech was on that and again i would love to have you share your your story with everybody today so please if you could take us through your story of living with domestic violence at some point in your life but more importantly how you were able to get through it and get out of it Okay, great. So in my early 20s, a friend of mine prompted me to use the Now Magazine dating ads. And so I tried it out and I met a number of uh, gentlemen that I dated and I hooked on one in particular that I thought was really good looking, a professional, seemed to have things together. He was really into detail and that will uh, be uh, important as I go through the story. I uh, ended up marrying him. There were a number of things that occurred in our dating and engagement that would have led me to think that there was something wrong if I had experience of it. So Mm -hmm. there were some control issues around selling my car, for example, and chauffeuring me from place to place. He took over my bank accounts. um, And even my wedding dress, he needed to see before the wedding, because he needed to make sure that it was perfect. He hit me for the first time between our wedding and the reception. So I was about the seating plan and he uh, slapped me fairly hard and said, you will not ruin my wedding. Wow. So 
that was the beginning of a number of years of some really horrible things that occurred. He chose my clothes for me. He chose and monitored my food and my weight. He monitored my makeup and my hair on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. Mm. If I was home and he wasn't because he traveled for business, he phoned me regularly to make sure I was where he would want me to be, which was home. Um, and if he was home, he always had to be with me uh, where I was going. So uh, I was never alone or able to go out with friends or do any of those things. So it was pretty horrible uh, through all of that. And it got progressively to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. Um, he was raping me. He was beating me. It was a horrible setup. Um, yeah. I met a young lady about my age at a an event that I was allowed to go to because it was a running race and, and that would help my weight stay low. So I was allowed to go to that. Wow. And for some reason we just connected and I told her at, on the first meeting, we sat down for coffee. She asked me if I wanted to go for coffee and we sat down and I told her what I was going through. And she said, you know, that's domestic violence. That's abuse. And I was shocked. And like many women, it took me after that a few uh, months and even almost a year before I finally got up the courage to do the leaving permanently. And, and really, I made that decision in a moment of absolute crisis. So I had been pushed down the stairs. I was at the bottom of the stairs crying. He had left for work. He thought I was going to stay home, but I hadn't called in. So my principal and that lady showed up at my house and brought me to the hospital. Uh. And I was met by 15 professionals at that time, uh, doctors and lawyers, nurses, psychologists, psychiatrists, and police. And they sat in a room and we all sat in a circle and they asked me questions and they listened intently. And then at the end of it, they said, if you don't leave today, you're going to die. Wow. Point blank. Yeah, that was how bad it was. And I had two dogs at the time. I begged um, them to let me think about keeping the dogs. Um, that it, at, the, at that time, it was not legal to do that. They were um, possessions of the wedding, uh, of the marriage. And so we weren't, they had to stay there until things had been worked out. Okay. Uh, and I got home that night thinking I had a couple of hours, maybe the night overnight. And he had been calling me as he had in the, you know, in other days, but I wasn't there. So he was hollering on the phone and he was sending um, his family to get me. So it turned out that we had, uh, I had about 40 minutes to get out of the house. Wow. So I, uh, I uh, called Ebony back. She uh, she helped me with the uh, packing of the of her car, of her small car. And at that time, I cleaned the house from top to bottom because that was so important to him. Details were so important. So I thought maybe that would make him a little bit less angry when he when he had got there. Mm. We went to the women's shelter. They were full. 
so they gave me a really old blanket, which I still treasure, and wow. sent me out to a hotel under in another town under another name uh, with my parents there, and the police of that town were notified so that I would be protected. And then I started my healing process. Wow. Wow. Oh, man. There is so much information there that, um, wow, I, I, I applaud your bravery. I applaud your, you know, everything you have within you that you were able to go through what you went through, but now you are able to stand on a platform and, and, and talk about that. That's, that's some real heavy stuff. Thank you. It's, it's been a number of years and a lot of healing and a lot of counseling, a lot of talking to other people who have been in my position on just a personal note to get to this point. But I think it's a really important message. I think that people need to understand that there are many more women in this uh, state than we think. Mm -hmm. They come from all walks of life. I had somebody after I left say to me, it couldn't have happened to you. You're a professional. You have a university degree. Yeah, and speak about that. So that, you know, we need to understand that abuse happens to a variety of people for a variety of reasons. And once in that abuse, it is not easy to get out. So there are, there's fear, there's control factors, there's all kinds of things that usually the abuser has done uh, sometimes very secretly and carefully. I found in my case, my abuser was a very intelligent person. He was able to do a lot of that control behind the scenes with my, without me understanding where we were headed. Mm -hmm. You know, didn't hit me until the day of the wedding. And you're, I was stuck then. I felt like I needed to stay there and figure it out and he convinced me that i that i was that i was the one who had done something wrong wow. so it doesn't happen to just poor people in different circumstances than i was in it happens to professionals of all walks of life doctors lawyers teachers everybody has that uh, capability of being involved in something like that if they're not really careful about what they're watching Absolutely. And I think you, you said something there so, so uh, powerful that, you know, the abuser, the person who's causing this harm can really come in any, uh, they, they can look any way. They don't have to be what TV portrays is that fall down drunk type of guy who comes home, who's, who's depressed, gets into the booze and starts hitting his wife. They really can be professionals themselves. And on the other hand, as well, as you said, the, the person who is receiving this abuse they come in all shapes and sizes as well. They don't always show up with that, you know, like TV portrays the woman who shows up with a black eye and says, I ran into a door. Oftentimes they really can show up as regular people, have a great time at work, laugh and joke, and you would never know what's going on in their household. Absolutely. There, there weren't any people who knew other than the people that I told what was happening because my partner was very good at image and when we were out and about, everyone thought we were this wonderful couple. Nobody had any idea what was going on. Wow, wow. How surprised was your family and friends once you started sharing your story? So this was a very difficult time for my family. 
My parents are very accepting of lots of people, but they are also very loving of me. And I hadn't told them anything, which was unusual because usually I shared things with them. My father is also uh, very passive. He doesn't get angry. He, he's worked his whole life with people that have had difficulty and he's very accepting. He told me that when I finally was able to tell them what was going on. It was the first and only time he's ever thought that he wished he had a gun. Now he would never have used it, but mm -hmm. that was the, the, the emotion that he had in that moment was just absolute protection of me, fear and, and anger that the, all of this had happened. Wow. Wow. I want to throw a stat out. They say that on a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines. And there's another stat that says that women will try to leave an abusive relationship seven times before she's actually able to leave. What did it take for you to leave? It, it took that point of, of complete mental breakdown where I could not function anymore. And even then, it took the 15 professionals in the room to say, you're going to die, and this is how we're going to protect you. And fortunately for me, I had the right people in my life to get me to the hospital, to meet those 15 people, and to have them help me figure out what to do next. And lots of women don't have that. And it is important to know that I didn't have seven, but I had four tries before I actually got out. Okay. Okay. And I would love to dig in a little bit deeper. Do you recall, and I don't want to put you in a place where, you know, you're in a dark spot. We're going to end this on a, in a good note, but just for, again, for the people who are listening, who might be going through this themselves, I think it's so important that we are able to share our story. Absolutely. Do you remember those times when you tried to leave and you didn't? What was it that held you back instead of actually stepping through and leaving? So one of those times in particular is indelibly marked on my brain. And it was a time where I thought that he was going to let me go. And I started to pack and started to get ready. And then he realized I was actually going to go. And he stood between me and the door. And he said in a voice that I will never forget, and that didn't even sound human at the time, if you leave me, I will destroy you. Wow. And so I, I heard that voice for a lot of years. I have to tell you that when I left, I booby-trapped my apartment, my house for years being concerned that he would come and get me because of that statement. Wow. And so that is probably one of the most powerful ones. The other times, I didn't know where I was going to go. So I wanted to leave, but I didn't have a good enough plan. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Do you think, so you spoke about being at the hospital and having, you said 15 people around you? Yes from doctors to nurses to, to people looking to support you. Do you think that this day and age that the topic of domestic violence is getting the attention it deserves? 
And I know you mentioned that you were fortunate enough to have people around you. However, you also said as well that you're very aware that there's people out there who have nobody um, that they feel any way that they can turn to. Do you think that society is giving domestic violence the attention that it deserves? Unfortunately, I don't. I think it's still something that's hidden under, you know, wraps. It's very difficult for women to get out of the situation that they're in. But then on top of that, fighting through the court system at that at this time is still very difficult. We still have uh, judges and lawyers who don't understand what domestic violence is and how it can destroy a woman or how much strength it takes to get out and how much strength it takes to, to say their story in court or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think that we are looking at little pictures. So the Me Too movement, for example, I think is a very good thing. Yes. But we need sure that when we're looking at the Me Too movement, we're looking at violence, we're looking at abuse, we're not looking at minor things that happen between men and women where they disagree about dating or that kind of thing. We need to really concentrate on the issue, which is domestic violence and violence against women in any way, shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And, you know, it's so important for us to say as well that domestic violence doesn't always equate the woman being the victim. There are a lot of situations where the men are victims as well. And oftentimes, because of society, uh, men feel like they cannot come forward. And I think it's so important that we, we, we put that out there, that men can be victims as well. Men have been victims, continue to be victims. And men need to get out those, those same um, terrible relationships as well. Absolutely. And unfortunately for men, there aren't. Uh, women's shelters or men's shelters for them when that kind of thing happens. And we need to support those men as well as the women who, who are, uh, are victims. Or I would like to say we're not victims of domestic abuse. We are survivors of domestic abuse. Yeah, it's so important that we change that language. You're absolutely right. Because when you use the term victim, it, 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 it paints a certain picture. But a survivor, a conqueror, is somebody who, you know, despite it all, has been able to surpass the negativity, surpass the, 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 the tough, the, the, the difficulties, and they're standing through it. They're standing on top of it. And now, like you, sharing your story. So I love the change of the, of the wording. But let's call them survivors. Let's call them conquerors. Yes, I, and I love the word conquerors. That is a great word. It is a battle, not just the actual domestic violence, but the battle to bring yourself back to a life that you want to lead. There's a lot of healing that has to occur. So it isn't that a man or woman leaving a a situation with domestic violence all of a sudden is better. Mm -hmm. We're looking at years of counseling, of talking to people, of working out what you want in your life that need to occur before the full healing is done. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Can you speak to the the topic of people saying, you know, I can't believe you let that happen to you, or I would never let that happen to me? Because it, it's so easy for people to sit back and judge. And I, I've seen situations actually where someone has sat back and they've said, you know, I can't believe someone allowed that to happen to them. 
And then, you know, things turn around and unfortunately they become the, the next person who falls prey to that type of situation. Can you speak to that person um, who speaks, who, who says those things in terms of, I can't believe that could happen to you. I would never allow that to happen to me. Did you see this happening to you? No. So I didn't. When I look back now, I can see signs that it was heading in that direction. Okay. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course. So, for example, one of the first dates that we had that I think would probably get a lot of women, he bought me a dress from Danier and a hair and makeup makeover and shoes from Bocce and a purse to match and then took me to the store. And just like out of the movie from Pretty Woman, all the women came and fretted and fussed over the dress. And it was just an amazing date. I thought very romantic. What I didn't realize was that he had told somebody that the reason he did all that was because I didn't have appropriate dress to be out with him. Okay. So you don't always see the, the reason that somebody's doing something. Sometimes it looks like it's a good thing. It looks romantic. It looks fun. It looks like the person's trying to take care of you and it's sneaking up in behind because eventually that taking care of you becomes control. Mm. It's very difficult for people to see it coming. I think a lot of people think that domestic violence happens when the first time the man hits them. That isn't how it happens. Domestic violence doesn't start with the hit frequently. Frequently, mm. it starts with all the control, all the emotional stuff that, that starts to pull you in. And the hit is often near the end. It's, it's when, when, the, when the man knows he has the woman or the woman knows he has the man okay. as, as the man. That's when the hit comes. Wow. And I'll also tell you that from, the, from my position, there were lots of times I would have rathered he hit me than all the other things that occurred. Wow. Wow. Oh, man, that, that right there is, is deep, to, to know that you would rather him have hit you than to deal with other things you dealt with. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Wow. wow. Um, speak to me about, you, you talked about your friend taking you out for a cup of coffee. And the reason why that line sticks with me, because that was the title of your speech that you gave where you spoke about your situation. Take someone yeah. out for a cup of coffee. You have somebody who, again, they, they have a friend who they think is going through something they don't know for sure. Rather than sitting back and saying, if I were you or I can't believe you let someone do that, what do you think is the best method of action for somebody who might know someone who is going through things or that even have the appearance of potentially going through things, what would you suggest would be the best plan of action for that friend? So you're right. That was the title of my speech. And I think that there is power in going out for even a 15 minute coffee mm. just to tell somebody, I support you. I'm here for you. If you need me, here's my phone number. I will drive and pick you up wherever you are at any time. You don't, as the person taking that person, the, the person that's a, a survivor of domestic violence or working through it, you don't have to know their story to just offer them the support. Mm. Know that 
it takes a woman a long time to get up the courage to leave, to have a plan, to try and work all those things through. If you take somebody for coffee, offer them the support. Tell them that it's okay, that you'll come and get them, that you'll call them if, you, if they want you to, or they can call you because frequently they can't accept phone calls at their home, but they have ways of making phone calls out either when they go out to a restaurant, they'll use their cell phone in secret, or even when they're at home alone, they'll use their cell phone in secret. So those kinds of things are important. The, and the patience is really important. To know that just because you had that 15 minute coffee and the person knows that you're there to support them doesn't mean that they're gonna leave that day. Mm -hmm. I met that woman and it it was a good long time before I finally, left and she was with me the whole way never pushed never said hey let's get out of here until the very end and mm -hmm. then i was going anyway but was always what can i do do you need to call me where would you like to go that kind of thing and mm -hmm. that's really important it really is it really is to be that friend the, the definition of what a friend is to be there for somebody in their time of need Absolutely. Absolutely. Not needing to know the story, mm -hmm. not pushing to do what you want them to do, just letting them know you're there. Absolutely. And so I imagine some time has gone by because you mentioned this did happen some years ago, many years ago. And you, yeah. talk, you also talked about the fact that for years afterwards, you kind of booby trapped your apartment just in case if he found you. Right. And again, time has gone by now. Have you been able to recapture your power in the sense of if you did happen to see him again, pass by him again in a mall or whatever, have you been able to kind of recapture your power? And if, and if so, how have you been able to do that? So what an amazing experience to go through the Toastmasters process of competing in an international contest. And I had an incredible coach, a man who has dealt a lot with violence and survivors and that kind of thing. So when I presented him with the speech in the first place, he looked at it and said, can you connect to the emotion? And what's interesting is all the way up until that day, I had been able to tell parts of the story and you know, share things that had occurred through that process, but not really connect with the emotion because I was afraid that if I did, it would all come back. I also was not able to picture my partner's face. From the day I left, I had no ability to visually picture his face. Wow. With that safe person in the Toastmasters process, he was able to say, hey, we can share this. You can connect. It's mm -hmm. okay because you know that you're okay now. And so what's interesting, I guess, is that over all these years, and we're talking more than 15 years since, since that occurred, mm -hmm. I have had little pieces of healing. Yeah. But the master's experience of, okay, now I'm ready to stand up and share my story and connecting with the emotion and being able to then, for the first time, picture his face and know it's going to be okay because he doesn't have any power over me anymore mm. was very powerful, very powerful. Mm. 
Wow. He does not have any power over you anymore. I love that. That, that, that's a line in itself. Yes. Very important because that for me was the biggest part of the abuse, the, the hitting, the raping, the controlling of my clothing and my food and all those kinds of things are symptoms of that power that he had over me. That's the big piece of domestic mm -hmm. violence is a power imbalance. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right. And, and that's what it really comes down to a lot of times with domestic violence. It's, it's having power over that other person. It, it, you're right. It, it's little to do with the actual hitting or anything else that would or could take place. It's the actual being able to control someone's actions. Absolutely. Yes. Wow. Lisa, I don't think I prepared you for this, but where can people go for help? If somebody is suffering from domestic violence, if somebody is a friend of someone who's suffering from domestic violence, where are places that they can go for help? To so get the help they need? Yes. Almost every community has a women's shelter that you can contact. The, the first thing to do is to get a friend and talk to somebody about it and start to figure out where you're going to go. If you can't find a women's shelter in your community, go to the hospital. Okay. They'll give you the support that you need. There are also, unfortunately, you're right, I didn't uh, prepare for this question, but there are a number of crisis hotlines that you can call. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you'll do some of that research and, and put that together with this presentation so that people have some numbers in the area that they can call. Absolutely. But whatever you do, and if you don't have anything else, go to a hospital, tell them what you're going through. You will get the help right away. They will point you in the right direction. They have programs set up right at the hospital that if you walk in and say, look at, I'm in trouble, they'll make sure you get the help you need. Fabulous. Yeah. So needed. So needed. And I definitely will add that information to the show notes and to the beginning of the show as well. And again, for someone who at one point you lost your power, I got to say you are probably one of the most powerful individuals I have ever met uh, to share your story on the platform that you do and the way in the in the way that you do it is absolutely powerful. So I got to say congratulations to you for owning your story and stepping on top of it and sharing it with everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been a wonderful experience. And I think from the time that I started doing this speech, what's powerful for me is the number of women and men who have approached me and said, I've been in that situation. Thank you for pointing it out. Or I know somebody, can you help me? Yeah. And that's so powerful for me that, that my story can actually help somebody else is where I need to go. Yes, and that's that's for sure. And I imagine at this point in time, you are in a, a, a better relationship, in a loving relationship. Yes, I have a wonderful partner, and we spend great times together at the cottage. He's very supportive. He is exactly the opposite of what I was went through before. Mm. Gives me way more choice than sometimes I even want. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I am so in love and so happy. I'm working full time. I have hobbies and interests that are all me. I get to eat chips when I want to. I get to 
my kitchen a chaotic disaster if I want to. And uh, that's all really wonderful. Oh, that's amazing. What flavor chips? Uh, well, I really like the all dressed, but I got to tell you that recently somebody introduced me to ketchup Doritos. Oh, yep. Yep. Those not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and our, uh, our, our listeners in the U.S. know nothing about that because last time I checked, they didn't have ketchup chips out there. So we got to oh, maybe chip down a couple of bags. Amazing. <laughs> Lisa, I got two questions I want to ask you to close this out. But first off, I just want to say again, thank you so much for sharing your story with everybody and you know, healing somebody who is listening right now who needs to hear this. I know there's somebody right now who's listening who you are speaking directly to their soul and they need to hear your words and they they need to, you know, grasp this so they can use information for their own situation as well. So I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me. This is a real pleasure to be with somebody as talented and wonderful as you are and to also be able to share my story in this forum. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. Oh, thank you for the compliments. Absolutely. So Lisa, I want to ask you this. This is my Oprah question. What do you know for sure? I know who I am for sure. Mm. I figured that out. I've had process to be able to figure out that I am a strong individual with gifts for working with children and generosity and understanding and empathy. I love to do running and sports and I work really hard at, at giving my body the health that it needs and I'm strong. And maybe that's the most important is that I'm strong. Mm -hmm. I am okay and i am strong oh man that's powerful absolutely you are you are more than strong that's amazing lisa thank you so much for that that's powerful thank you my last question lisa i want to ask you you have about a minute i would love for you to speak to somebody who's listening who right now it feels like they are at the bottom of the the, the barrel it feels like they're going through so much. It feels like they don't know how to get out of their domestic violence situation. They've tried, they've attempted to leave and they couldn't leave. They don't know what they're going to do. And they, it feels like that things are not going to get better. I want you to speak to that person from someone who has been there and someone now who has conquered that situation in their own life. You have about a minute to speak to that individual Okay. Share with them your thoughts on how they're able to overcome. Go ahead. So first of all, you need to know that you are a powerful human being and you will be okay. This is a process. Find someone that you trust. Talk to them about your story. Get a sanitary pad out and write their phone number down on it and put it back in the package so that you will always have that phone number and nobody will ever go looking for it and you call that person when you need to. And while you're working with that person, try to create a plan. And if a plan isn't obvious, get to the hospital, get to a woman's shelter, get somewhere where you can get the people that you need around you. There are people that will help you. You are not alone and you will survive. You will be where you want to be. It is going to happen. Hang in there.
Oh man, that is powerful. I love that. That man, I can, I, I'm, I'm speechless. That is so necessary. Those words that you just gave. Good. I, 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 I really hope that reaches somebody and and that you know they go out for coffee with a friend. They go to the hospital. They contact the people that they need to contact, and they keep their head through all of this. They're okay. They didn't do anything wrong. Everything is going to be okay. Just talk to somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lisa, thank you so much. And for all you listeners, I will see you at the top of the next episode. Peace. Lisa, thank you so much. Oh.